I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to a second tier podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Phil Taylor to my Luke Littler. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. What a story that is, <laughs> by the way. Justin, how the devil are you, good sir? I'm absolutely fantastic. It's uh, well, it's getting into January, so it's the uh, it's a very important time of the year. Very important time of the year. Obviously, Christmas has been and gone. New Year's been and gone, and transfers are back, baby. And speculation is rife, and it just gets you excited. Gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah, I enjoy a good transfer window because obviously we've got the FA Cup this weekend, so not as much championship action or any championship action for us to talk about. So at least we can still keep our eyes cast on X or Twitter, as it was formerly known, and just see all the different links that are happening. I mean, some of them, I'm I'm quite enjoying the um, X content now, where it's made up of quite a lot of accounts who are just completely making up stories mm. you know it's it's a uh, it's interesting to see what people's brains come up with yeah it always it always fascinates me that people hang on to twitter rumors more than anything i mean nuno espirito santo to stoke was a funny one just a couple of weeks ago um and, and there's one now justin of steve cooper to birmingham he's just <laughs> some apparent ITK accounts in the no accounts will make something up and it's incredible how many people still believe these random accounts. But they get people into a frenzy and then it just ramps up speculation. I mean, I've seen a couple of clubs in the past have to make statements or come out and say in the media that this isn't happening, whether it be a takeover, a managerial appointment or or a, or a, a player signing. It's, it's got to that point where, <laughs> where random people on Twitter have that much power just by making stuff up. It is quite incredible, but I guess that's social media. I mean, that's how Donald Trump came into power, isn't it? Just by making random shit up. Don't open that can of worms, Jesus. <laughs> uh, but you're right. You are right. Like, people who are outside of uh, the stratosphere on the Stoke side of things will not believe it but a massive proportion of the Stoke fan base genuinely believed Nuno Espirito Santo was going to Stoke even though no one official reported any links to that effect so it's uh, it's impressive how far these ITK accounts can you know get with just making something up and then how many people believe it it's honestly astonishing um but if you want you know reliable information then of course the second tier podcast is the place to go when i say reliable we're not the news people we're <laughs> taking what other people say and crediting them with that stuff so yeah 
We'll leave that there. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yeah, we're going to have a little look ahead to the January transfer window. Of course, the door has just opened or the window has just opened. What kind of window are we picturing here? Just like someone has taken one of those shutter windows and just pushed it up. The thing is, my my vision now is people is, is players walking is trying to get through a window to their club, um, when it's, it's just not possible. So if it's going to be a window, it's got to be a patio door. But who walks through a patio door to to a training ground? See, I always picture just a hole in the wall kind of window, and people are just walking up saying, "Oh, I want to bid this much for Jed Wallace or something <laughs> like that," and that's how it works. But Obviously, that's not the case, but that's how I've always pitched it. Anyway, we're here to talk about the January transfer window and what clubs need in a, this coming month. Of course, still very much up for grabs, many different positions in the division. So we'll, we'll go through that and uh, have a little chit chat about those different teams. And we'll, I thought we'd start off with a bit of a change of pace, Justin, and start off by talking about the playoff race. Because at the time of recording, we've got just seven points separating 5th place West Brom and 14th place Preston North End. So still all to play for there in that respect. Justin, out of the teams in the playoff race, whose business are are you most intrigued to see this coming month? I'll ask how far down in the playoff race can I go for this question? Well, who do you think is actually realistically going to get in the playoffs, I suppose, is the next part of that question. Well, I mean, you could probably go down to Blackburn in terms of who can realistically get into the playoffs. I know they're eight points off the top six, but I mean, it's not that it's not that much of a gap. But if we're talking about teams that are in and around it right now, I think West Brom. West Brom are a team that intrigued me a hell of a lot because they've got so many variables working with and against them. Obviously, Carlos Corbrandt's a fantastic manager to work for, and he's got a brilliant side of play that gets results, clean sheets. But they do need, for me, a couple of additions. But they've got the takeover hanging over them, um, or the uh, potentially impending takeover hanging over them, or lack of takeover hanging over them. They don't have a lot of money to spend or room to manoeuvre. They might be outgoings, um, and they certainly need incomings to um, to really boost their op- well, not opportunities, sorry, chances of getting into the into the playoffs. So they're a team that intrigues me, and obviously Sunderland as well, because Sunderland have got such a good squad at their disposal um, it's packed full of attacking talent that for me maybe they need a little bit more experience or maybe they need a, a, a another well definitely certainly need a number nine so they're two teams that intrigue me but if I was going to throw in a bit of a wild card um, I think Blackburn do have the potential to get into the playoffs I think they score a lot of goals if they can tighten up, I think they can really push in. Um, but they need additions. They need additions in their squad. But again, they're not going to be spending freely. They've gone a, down a different route uh, with Greg Brown, the, the te- technical director, um, and they're recruiting a little bit more smartly. But at the same time, um, that might not be working for them. So they might need to throw a little bit of money at the wall this January to see what they can get. Yeah, as I've said recently, if Blackburn could defence, they'd be quite a good side. Um, And that's still very much true. So maybe a couple of defenders will certainly help on that account. And I think West Brom are an interesting case, aren't they? Because they could really do with some attackers, couldn't they? Particularly with Grady Dean Garner going to the African Cup of Nations and Jeremy Sarmiento being recalled from his loan by Brighton. The issue is they are in the midst of that takeover, aren't they? So will they get the additions in January that they need? And we've put the question out to, on Twitter, what do uh, fans think their club clubs need in January? Uh, Matthew, who's a West Brom fan, says, we need a new owner. And that, that's the big <laughs> thing, isn't it? Like, if this takeover doesn't get done before the end of the month, how many additions will they get? Will they be the additions mm. that they need? 
that's quite an interesting proposition. So uh, I guess I'll put this question to you. Would, would As a West Brom fan, if you were hypothetically a West Brom fan, Ryan, would you be happy with a takeover and no incomings at all? Because that means the long-term future of your club is secured, but your chances of getting the playoffs does diminish a little bit because you're not being able to strengthen. Or would you rather strengthen in January and wait for a takeover to come in at the end of the season? I'd be surprised if it lasted until the end of the season, this, uh, this takeover, you know, ongoing one okay um, i'll slightly rephrase that between january and the end of the season then so it doesn't happen in january so therefore it doesn't really, impact january well i don't think it really matters when the takeover actually gets done because as long as a takeover does get done that's all that west brom fans will care about with regards to january they need players in if they are going to stand any chance of getting in the top six this season that's what fans have paid the money for they want to see west brom actually succeeds this season i, I don't think any west brom fan out there would be happy with just another, you know, top half mid table finish. If what with whatever happens with mm. the takeover, they based on how they're doing right now, they want to see them get into the top six. And look, West Brom have had a fantastic start to the season, much better than I think anyone expected. But they need at least a couple of attackers in January. I would say a striker, perhaps. Of course, they've still got Davo DK to come back, but will he ever actually become the player that West Brom fans are hoping for? I don't know. But without a doubt, they need at least a, a winger or two to add to the depth. Yeah. Because it's looking quite thin on the ground up front at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the other variable you've got to throw into the mix with West Brom is they've got a, a, an ageing squad. Um, they need some more athleticism uh, adding into it. They've got the oldest average age in the league, actually, in terms of their formations of, or starting 11s that they've put out. So adding a, a few more younger younger legs could could make the world a difference. And those younger legs being in the attack really could make the difference because you've got Matty Phillips, who's um, who's been he's been in good form under Carlos Cobran, but he's picked up a couple of couple of injuries. Obviously, he's been out for a bit. Jed Wallace has picked up a knock, and um, you know he's he's at the wrong end of his career. John Swift the same. So adding in some some younger players who can add a bit of bit of flair into that attack, like Sarmiento, like it was hoped that Sarmiento would would do. Um, I think would really go a long way to 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 giving West Brom a, a little bit more a little bit more spark going into the second half of the season. Well, a big question that needs to be answered this transfer window is: Will Sunderland finally get a striker? Of course, no roster now. Neither Nazari Rusin or uh, Mason Burstow have worked out after joining in the summer, so they are absolutely desperate for a frontman, aren't they? In fact, I, I don't think there's a club in the Championship right now who needs a striker as much as Sunderland. Maybe Ipswich, actually, but Sunderland are pretty desperate as well. Yeah, I mean, at least Ipswich have a couple of strikers at their disposal. I mean, as you said, Sunderland do have Rusin and, and Burstow, but they're not not quite hitting <laughs> hitting the, the, the hymns that they need to hit, are they? They're not scoring enough goals. I know Rusin scored against Preston, and it was a good goal because he got in a six-yard box ahead of his marker, but um, needs to do it more consistently. And, um, for me, but, uh, Sunderland are absolutely desperate. You're absolutely right. I mean, last season they should have they should have brought in a striker. I know Joe Gohart was meant to be playing in and around Ross Stewart as opposed to the actual number nine when he arrived on loan last season from Leeds, but um, it, it wasn't the case, and 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 we've seen in the past how much a, a striker can make a difference for clubs. Bournemouth adding Kiefer Moore um, to uh, to their ranks a couple of seasons ago got them over the line into the into the automatic. Sunderland, uh, sorry, Nottingham Forest adding Sam Surridge. Um, 
got them into the playoffs and you know flirting with the the top two he scored seven in 17 so it really does make a difference and if they can go out and find a striker to um to go out and get seven or eight goals between now and the end of the season like ls sims did in the first half of last season Sunderland, they'll easily get into the top six because they've they've got some a really good front line they create a lot of chances and they're not you know not defensively a bad side either so yeah they're one of those teams that I think just one player will do something and I'd be very confident in saying they'll get into that uh, get into the get into the playoffs. Um I'm not sure I'd be that confident. Um I'm, I'm still far from convinced about the appointment of Mick okay, Beale. Mick Beal does does add a variable in there. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, it's quite astonishing really how strong this Sunderland squad is, but the contrast in how weak they are up front is mm-hmm. is just is just startling. So a striker has got to be a priority. A couple of positions they could also strengthen. I think uh, defence they're looking a bit thin on the ground in terms of numbers, so that won't be a bad addition. Uh, a couple of additions there either. But striker they've got to bring someone in. They just simply have to. Uh, a club I'm watching from afar with intrigue this January, Justin, is Hull City, a very ambitious club. We know they had a fantastic summer window and a seemingly Looking to play another blinder this month. Burnley's Manuel Benson is someone who's been linked, but it's undoubtedly an exciting month ahead for Hull City, isn't it? It is. I think it's more exciting because Liam Rossini knows where his weaknesses are and he tries to correct them quite quickly. And then then you look at the summer as well that they went out and signed Aaron Connolly and everyone sort of raised their eyebrows and said, oh, I'm not going to get anything getting from him. But he's but he's been scoring goals. Liam Delap has been scoring goals um, on, on loan. So he's taken players who haven't necessarily been fantastic in previous spells and um, he's turning them into, into good championship players. And Emmanuel Benson really does, really does, uh, yeah, get the saliva flowing because <laughs> adding that bit of, bit of quality and flair into that um, into that whole team of Liam Rossini it's exciting I mean he got he got 11 and 33 in the league last season um, and scored countless goals where he's cut inside and scored from distance so it's going to turn those tight games around for all um, at the moment like they do do find themselves on the other end of it at times and um, it's going to it's going to throw them in in, in, in um, their favour obviously Scott Twine uh, showing glimpses of that and um, Saeed Manesh is, is an option now he's back fit but Benson would be a magnificent capture and as I say I think the the key thing for Hall is they've got Rossini at the helm who's very good at spotting weaknesses in his team um, and he's very good at alleviating those with the right with the right personnel yeah Henry who's a Hall fan says we need a left back and a goalkeeper in January I think goalkeeper is certainly a position they could do with strengthening and left back as well I don't see why not but Liam Rosini has said he expects a busy month so you can expect Hall to be signing multiple players in multiple positions over the course of January but it's absolutely thrilling heading into this, just watching what Hall City do because the ambition that they're showing is just fantastic. I mean, the idea of a front four with the likes of Scott Twine, Jaden Philogene, Manuel Benson, oh Liam Delap is oh, <laughs> it's it's a dream for a championship nerd like ourselves, Justin. So that's why it's so exciting seeing what Hall do. They 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 simply do not care about what boundaries they've got so here we go I, i'm 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 keeping a close close eye on what Hall do in january because it's going to be very very exciting and what do you think about coventry city justin here's my take i think they're in an excellent position and are probably the club in the playoff race who need to strengthen the least what do you think 
I think it, I think maybe some recency bias does play into that because they've been so good of late, and obviously they're hitting their stride quite comfortably. But they did 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 well last season in recruiting a couple of players on loan that sort of really got them over the line. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree. I honestly don't think Coventry need anybody. Maybe need, need a, um, another midf- uh, another midfielder who brings a, a bit of spark into uh, you know creatively. You're seeing Yari hasn't really hit the heights this season on loan from Brighton. They probably maybe need some depth added in that department but they've got Casey Palmer they've got Callum O'Hare they're playing a 4-2-3-1 so that creative demand isn't isn't that um, isn't as needed as, as much as it probably has been Josh Eccles yeah, um, Ben Sheaf in midfield and, and Jamie Allen as well they've got you know, good depth they've recruited well in the summer and I think it's slowly clicking together which um, we've not yet seen the best out of all of their summer captures which I think is a good position to be in because it means their January window can be a little bit quieter than the, the rest of the teams around them so yeah I do agree don't think they need anybody which is a great place to be yeah Louis who's a Coff fan says they need a sentiment right back and a winger I don't think they really do need anyone to be quite honest I think the, the only position I'm looking at in that Cough team and thinking they probably could do with someone is another centre-mid to play alongside Ben Sheaf because Josh Eccles has had a pretty good season in fairness to him, but I would still look at that position and think that's one that could be strengthened. Apart from that, Coventry are in a fantastic position just because everyone's hitting form. Of course, Ellis Sims still yet to find the goal-scoring touch that we were expecting when he first came in. But they spent a, f- a fair bit of money on him. So they've got to give him a chance. They can't just, you know, bring someone else in and cast him off onto the bench. So that squad is looking incredibly strong for the position that it's in. And that's why it's quite exciting, the position that Coventry, not just because of their recent form, but because the squad is looking pretty good. I imagine Coventry fans will be out there saying, we want to sign players in <laughs> January and we won't be happy with just the squad staying as it is. But I'm looking at it as a neutral and saying... That is a pretty, pretty strong squad as things stand. Maybe a bit of depth in places, but overall, the first team is looking very, very good. And the final team that we'll touch on with regards to the playoffs, Justin, is Middlesbrough. They're currently 12th, four points off the top six, but they have been battered with injuries this season. And another club, I'm very interested to see what they do in January and how much they do. I don't think they'll do much, you know. I think they'll play it safe. Um, because spending big is, is pointless in January. You, you can really, really shaft yourself with some average talent for expensive, you know, expensive um, costs, essentially. Maybe one or two alone additions. I mean, just look at the impact of, is it Jacob or Aaron Ramsey last season? I always get them mixed up. It was um, Aaron. <laughs> You're making me think about it now. <laughs> one of the one of the Ramsey lads that isn't at Burnley uh, on loan from from Aston Villa last season. No, it is the one at Burnley. Isn't it? No, it is the one. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's Aaron. I'm pretty sure it's Aaron. Absolute, absolute. Um, yeah, mind screw there. Um, and Cameron Archer is the other one that they brought in, and then they made a huge impact, huge, huge impact in getting Borough into the playoffs. And, and maybe they can repeat that with one or two again. But it's a very difficult, very difficult thing to do. Um, but I think they'll buy their time. I think Carrick will, it will be understanding of the, not financial position they're in, because uh, we're in a good financial position, but they've got a good squad. So what's the point in going out and signing permanent signings? It's only going to be loan signings that come in for Middlesbrough for me. And as I say, I don't think they're going to go go hell-bent on, on adding three or four. I think it'll be one or two. That adds a little bit of depth. But they are light in areas, but essentially if they do get players back, then that alleviates that stress is alleviated for them so yeah they're they're a weird one Middlesbrough because just have no idea where what they're going to do because they've got, got, got a good squad just all injured well Carrick has already said any new players 
who they get in will have to fit in. He doesn't want to panic by. He wants players who will be there beyond the end of the season. And that's completely understandable. If everyone in this Middlesbrough squad was fit, they would certainly be a lot closer to the top six and maybe even be in there quite comfortably. Um, Liv, who's a Borough fan, says they need to strengthen up top and in defence because of injury. And, and that's it, isn't it? That's what we've got to keep in account. The injuries have really battered Middlesbrough and it's about whether they want to have a short-term fix or not. And I don't think Carrick is particularly looking for any short-term fixes because it depends how lucky they are with injuries in the second half of the season. But that's been one of the reasons why they have struggled at times in the first half of the season. But there's still four points off the top six. January was huge for them last season, as you say, Justin with Cameron Archer coming in, uh, Aaron Ramsey coming in as well. So maybe a couple of loans will really help in places. But I struggle to see Middlesbrough going out there, breaking the bank on players and, you know, just leaving themselves in financial turmoil because I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, but it will be quite interesting to see, as I say, how much they do and what they do in January just because they could strengthen quite a few areas. But a lot of it depends on fitness with the players mm -hmm. who are out, doesn't it? Yeah. Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll have a look at the teams fighting over automatic promotion and those teams fighting to stay up. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the second tier podcast. So we're going through championship sides and talking about where they need to strengthen in January. And we'll talk about the automatic promotion race. We'll leave Leicester out of this particular conversation, Justin, because what? they don't need to strengthen, do what? they? Let's be quite honest. <laughs> um, but out of the teams fighting over second place, who needs to strengthen the most in your eyes? Ipswich, Southampton or Leeds? I will, I will mention Leeds because I... I I don't think it leads out my pick, by the way, but I will mention Leeds because I, I, like we were discussing in our previous episode, I think they're desperate for a playmaker. I really do. I think they're desperate for a playmaker to um, to unlock those really stubborn sides who do like to play a deep block and don't allow spacing behind their back line for for pacey attackers. So, I think if they can, if they can, um, if they can bring in a playmaker, uh, I think that will really, really help them flirt. More often with the top two because they've dropped they dropped away quite significantly. But the team that I'm going to pick is it, which I think is a very obvious one. Um, George Hurst being in, injured is a, is a massive massive issue for for Ipswich because he's he's a he's the he's a player that knits their attack uh, together. He 
he likes to play with his back to goal. And I don't think Freddie Dapo really brings that as as with with as much quality and um, physicality as George Hurst does. Um, and, and as well as that, I think it's quite important. I feel they lack an ex, uh, accomplished, experienced centre back. I'm going to use Nottingham Forest as an example again. They brought in Steve Cook when they went up under Steve Cooper, um, and that really, really helped them because Joe Worrell and Scott McHenry decided it was a good back line anyway. But Steve Cook came in and um, added a lot of know-how, added a lot of uh, experience, and and it does help. And I think that they make a lot of mistakes at the back. Some naive decision making sometimes. Some 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 petty fouls that get given away and I really do think that will help Ipswich um, get themselves into top two and I do think McKenna might have one eye on that to be honest with you Well Ipswich have done remarkably well to get to this point but they desperately need to bring players in and that has been made all the more clear with the injury to George Hurst up front who's now going to be out until around April time so for my money they simply can't expect to be in contention for automatic promotion as the season goes on if they have Caden Jackson and Freddie Ladapo as their only options up front. I don't think that'll be the case because I'll be very, very, very surprised if Ipswich don't strengthen up front in January. Jay Stansfield, currently on loan at Birmingham, has been mentioned, which I think would be a good move. I think they could do with at least another forward, though. Um, Stansfield, I think, well, he's mainly played as almost a number 10 for Birmingham this season. Yeah. Hasn't he? That's where he's played his best football. So someone who would be, you know, your kind of George Hurst type number nine would be the ideal addition for me. Um, but yeah, as I say, they, they could do with at least two strikers, really. Jeremy Sarmiento has joined on loan from Brighton. He was a winger at West Brom, which is a decent addition. A couple of defenders for depth at the back would be very handy as well. Just now, I do agree with you to some extent that I think a couple of defenders would go a long way. But at least two forwards has to be the absolute priority for Ipswich if they're going to get automatically promoted. Richard, who's an Ipswich fan, says we need a new striker. Reese says striker. Um, so I think it's pretty obvious where Ipswich need to strengthen uh, this month. Um, but let's go back to what you were saying about Leeds, Justin. Uh, Zovich, who's a Leeds fan, says we need a left back. Uh, Damien says left back and number 10. You've been quite strong on your calls for Leeds to get a number 10 in uh, January, mm. haven't you? Um, and as you were just explaining the second go, it's to unlock teams who are sitting quite deep against Leeds, which is what they've struggled with quite a lot recently, isn't it? Yeah, and that's, I mean, it is a Daniel Farker thing as well. He just, he, as we were debating quite extensively in our previous episode, it's a very good debate to, to encourage people to listen to it. Um, you know, Daniel Farker, is, he has to find a way to unlock those teams and he has to be doing better because he's got a lot of quality at his disposal already. Um, but the profile of player that he's got, they're all quite similar. They're all quite quick. They all like to exploit space in behind um, uh, in, in, in behind defences. And unfortunately, Leeds aren't going to get a lot of that because the blueprint to get a result against Leeds has been set by other teams. Um, so uh, having that number 10 and I've, I've made the reference to Amy Buendia who was under Farker at, at Norwich not a quick pacey player but very good and very in tune with his forward line very good at finding space and knitting those those balls in behind and when you've got someone like Jorginho Ruta and Joel Pirro who are very good in and around the box and good at making those dynamic runs in and around the box as well um, having a player who can find them is going to go a long way because I don't think they have a player like that. It's quite crazy to think about that. I don't think they have a player who can who can do that consistently and regularly. And of course, it's a very difficult, very difficult skill set to um, to attract in in January. But Leeds have got the finance uh, financial power to do it, and they've also got the pool because they're a big club. 
Well, I don't think they need a number 10. I think we, when you look at, well, Justin, let, let's be honest, they've been they've been flying away with a, you know, they've been by far and away the third best team in the division so far. And when you put the squad side by side, they've got a much better squad than Ipswich, haven't they? The reason why they've been dropping silly points here and there is, for me, down to Daniel Farke. He's the one who's got to take the blame for that. So that's why I don't think they need a number 10 in January. I think one would be great if they could get one in. I don't know if they're going to find someone of the same quality as, you know, uh, the rest of the lead squad who fits in there seamlessly, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I don't think that's a position they desperately, desperately need. I think a left-back is a position they could do with certainly strengthening. Sam Byram's been filling in there for pretty much all season. Jed Spencer's been appearing there fairly recently as well. Is worth remembering they paid fifteen million pounds for Junior Furpo uh, a couple of years ago, and he's just not getting a look in. But that's probably because he's not very good. But a, a left back would uh, certainly go a long way, I think, uh, with giving this Leeds team a lot more natural width um, as well. So I think left back's more of a priority than number ten is for me personally. I would certainly say that. Um, quick word on Southampton. Saints statistics says we need a right winger that isn't Rishi Sunak and Richard <laughs> says uh, we need a striker. Uh, is there a position in particular where you look at with Southampton and think that's got to be the absolute priority for them? Well, I've said number nine is, is a big thing, but they've got good players. They've got obviously Sikamoro, they've got Shea Adams, um, Adam Armstrong, who's been incredible this season they've got good players in the final third I think mainly I think a right winger is a good shout because Nathan Teller would have been filling that void and he would almost certainly would be on double figures by now if he was still at Southampton obviously can speak hypothetically but I'd be very confident in saying he'd have scored a lot of goals in his Southampton team uh, under Russell Martin uh, like he did on the opening day of the season for example against uh, Sheffield Wednesday um, they probably didn't replace him didn't have time to replace him or didn't invest to replace him and I think bringing one of um, yeah bringing a player in who can add a little bit more into the final third would would go a long way but I think Southampton are, are quite comfortable because they've got a good squad good deep squad yeah, I struggled to pick out a massive weakness in this Southampton team. And I think if they did go the whole of January without signing anyone, they would still be in a very, very good position to get automatically promoted. If you're going to push me for a position, I probably would say right wing. I think, uh, you know, a, a lot of the options they have on the right wing, none of them have really pulled up the trees that people were possibly expecting at the start of the season. So that's the one position... I would say, as I say, plenty of options there, but they haven't nailed down. No one's particularly nailed down that position, have they? So that's the one that would stand out for me. I think it would be a bit more interesting to see who goes out the door in January for Southampton, yeah. because I think a few players will be uh, possibly on their way out. Um, let's go to the other end of the table, Justin. We've seemingly got four teams in the battle to stay up. Rotherham, QPR, Sheffield Wednesday and Huddersfield. Now, we both agree they all badly need to strengthen, <laughs> some more than others. Who needs to do it the most? I'll add in the caveat here that I think we both agree Rotherham need to strengthen the most, but would we both say the amount of strengthening they need to do to keep them up is a bit unrealistic for a January transfer window. 
But yeah, you, you would. I mean, they had a good January last season, didn't they? They, they signed really well. Sean Morrison, um, Leo uh, Hilda came in, Jordan Hugel. They signed really, really well, but they've got to have another January transfer window like that. It's a difficult thing to do, to do twice in a row, and it does highlight some issues you've got in your recruitment team if you've got to do it two, two windows in a row. One point I will mention is, I think Birmingham have made the first move to get themselves out of that category of the bottom four <laughs> by sacking Wayne Rooney. So they've made the best the, January they could possibly have. <laughs> well, it is. It is, it absolutely is. Um, so I think Birmingham have done the, the best business so far in the entire league. Um, but the team the team that I would push on is, is Huddersfield. They they need, absolutely need, desperately need bodies, let alone let alone good players. They just need bodies in the door because you go back to the summer window, sign a backup keeper, sign Tom Edwards, a bit meh. Um they signed Ben Wiles, who hasn't really hit the form that we know he can hit. I mean, he got linked with Burnley last summer, for example. Um, they need to, to, to go in and add at least four or five players. Difficult thing to do in January. I've seen Alex Matos, a young Chelsea player, linked. I think that's a good um, a good potential incoming for them because Chelsea have got the best academy in the, in the entire league. Uh, sorry, in, in the entire country. And he's apparently one of the best in the Chelsea's academy so it's a good prospect and they've got a good a good history of bringing in um, loan players from, from Chelsea as well Casey Palmer and Izzy Brown for example so for me Huddersfield have, they've got the worst squad in the league it would be a miracle if Darren Moore can keep getting you know the quality out of it that he is so far which isn't a lot so about more additions I can see them going down Yeah Huddersfield are 100% the team who needs strength the most out of the bottom three outside uh, the bottom four outside of Rotherham um, if that makes sense <laughs> they had a really poor summer transfer window didn't they which I believe is the ultimate reason why Neil Warnock left and it's an achievement in itself that they've been outside the bottom three for most of the season after that terrible window and with the squad they've got so far they need at least five or six players mainly going forwards and in midfield up front they're relying so much on Delano Bergsorg who's a very hit and miss forward, not just in terms of performances, but also with fitness. And then Jordan Rhodes has been linked with a return. He's been banging them in for fun at Blackpool. So that would be interesting. A striker is the main thing they need to get in, though. Um, they could really do with a bit of everything in January, really, though, to improve quality and depth. Chance creation, they need to improve. As you say, Justin, Alex Matos seemingly on his way on loan from Chelsea. He's been on the bench for a lot of them in the Premier League. So seems very highly rated there. So that's quite exciting. But if the owners don't back Darren Moore this January, their decision to invest in the club is going to look like a bad one, considering they only took over in June. And if the club get relegated in their first full season of this new ownership, then that's going to be fairly disastrous, isn't it? Um, where do QPR have to strengthen, Justin? I feel like they need a striker. Um, Lyndon Dykes doesn't quite do it for me. Neither does um, Sinclair Armstrong consistently. I think he's a good good player with a lot of energy, but he's, he's still quite raw, isn't he? He's still quite young. Um, I think it's worth pointing out that they probably need a centre-half. The amount of goals they can see from set pieces is is horrific, which is quite a surprise because they've got some good head-it and kick-it defenders, um, but they're not heading and kicking it often enough um, to be really basic with my analysis of, of QPR. So I do feel... Um, that they, they need a striker, they need a centre-half. They're the two two main players, or main profile players they need to bring in because they've got Elias Chair, Chris Willett, they're good players, Sam Fields, very good player when he's when he's in form. Um, they do have good bones, it's just not enough meat on them. Yeah, 
I, keep, we go QPR have got to improve going forwards. Kurt says they need to strengthen everywhere. Robin says QPR need to employ someone who can release the players from the comatose states they've been in since November 2022. Um, <laughs> but it's going forward to where the big issues have been recently. I mean, Marty Sifuentes has done a fantastic job in tightening it up at the back with QPR, but they've lacked so much going forwards recently. They've been really toothless. Lyndon Dykes just... It's been a long time since we've ever seen Lyndon Dykes show any sort of form. Have we ever seen him show yeah, any sort of form? It I is a very it's, fair it's such point. A play, he's a player that confuses me so much because he scores goals, but every now and then, no idea what he does outside of it. Yeah, every now and then he falls apart. Um, and <laughs> I, I think supply line as well is the other thing, because of course, Elias Chair, Chris Willock, fantastic players on their day, but you know they're... Days are very hit and miss in this QPR team. It, a lot of it depends on how much form this QPR team has. And uh, Paul Smith hasn't really pulled a penny tree since joining in the summer either. So a, a decent winger uh, and a good striker would be the position they've got to strengthen for me in uh, in January. Uh, the final team we'll touch on, Justin, is Sheffield Wednesday with their big upturn in form. It's a bit more difficult to identify particular areas where they need to strengthen because it's all going very well, <laughs> isn't it? I, I think the obvious answer, though, is attack. Bailey Kadamatri has started a lot of games recently and it's a lot to ask for an 18-year-old to keep doing that for the final 20 games. So I would say a striker, but I think the supply line could do with improving too. So Another winger, perhaps, I think they're quite solid defensively all of a sudden, um, particularly recently. However, I don't think it'd be a bad thing to strengthen there either. Yeah, there's a bit of a weird one Wednesday, mainly because they have been doing so well. So it's quite hard to pick out weaknesses because they've been in a great run of form under Danny Rule. Um, but you are right. I think adding, it'd be a case of just adding depth and maybe some some youth and legs into that team. It depends how Danny Rule wants to go about it. Does he want to bring in a couple of his own players and see, see what happens? Or does he want to keep the group as similar and compact as it is now? Because they've been on a, on a high, been riding a high. And we know from last season that, when they when they they're, they're a together group, um, so when they get going, they are they are a very good group to have. So yeah, it just depends where Danny Rule wants to go. I think adding a little bit more energy in midfield would would go a long way. Whether that be adding a, you know, a bit more pace in attack or a, you know um, you know good box to box midfielder in um, you know centrally George Byers, Will Volks, they you know they're players that are there now, but are they of a consistent championship quality remains to be seen. So yeah, I think Danny Rule's in a in a nice healthy position because he's. They have got a better squad than maybe we gave them credit for, and he's he's seeing that now with the the form that they've got. But everyone could do with new players. Yeah, well, John Buckley, who's obviously a midfield option, they signed in the summer. He's gone back to Blackburn. Um, he's been recalled from his loan. Jeff Hendrick, another player they signed in January in midfield oh, yeah. in the summer in midfield, has basically disappeared off the face of the earth. So they maybe could do with a couple of midfielders just to give themselves a bit more depth there, I suppose. Justin. Now it's time for this. Scott High or Ryan Lowe? Let me fucking shit, mate. Yes, it's time for Scott High or Ryan Lowe. This is the game where we have to rank four things from our highest to lowest. It's as simple as that. There's three questions, and this week I'll be providing the questions for Justin. Are you ready, Peachy? Yeah, it's been a while. It has been a while. So the first question, Justin, is this. Um, as we all know, Poor, poor Wayne Rooney was finally given the boot from Birmingham this week. It's been a pretty torrid 2023 for England's golden generation in management. So I want you to rank for me these four managerial reigns by win percentage. They are, you've got to pay attention here, Stephen Gerrard at Aston Villa, 
Frank Lampard at Everton, Wayne Rooney at Derby County, Phil Neville at Inter Miami. <laughs> Not sure if Phil Neville is part of the golden generation, but uh, he is for this particular question. It's a stretch, isn't it? It is a bit. I mean, he was in some of their squads, so we can class him. We can certainly class him. Just for a two, have you seen the video of Kai Rooney ranting about the Birmingham City squad? Of course I have, Just Yes, it's, it's a, superb stuff. It's a golden clip, a golden clip that did make me laugh. Um, but back to the quiz, I'm going to go with... F- um, sorry, am I ranking highest win percentage to the lowest? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to go with Steven Gerrard at Villa, then Wayne Rooney at Derby, then Frank Lampard at Everton, then Phil Neville at Inter Miami, because they were shocking. Not as shocking as you think, really? Justin. In fact, you've pretty much nailed it, apart from you've massively underestimated the power of Fizzer. Uh, Phil Neville at Inter Miami was top. With a win percentage of 39%, Steven Gerrard at Villa, 33%, Rooney at Derby, 28%, Frank Lampard at Everton, 27%. Wow. I genuinely thought they were absolutely hopeless under Phil Neville. And he just argued with with the media all the time. Yeah. Good stuff, though. Good content. And that's that's the main thing that we got from that. Um, Of course, the African Cup of Nations gets underway soon, Justin. Plenty of championship players will be making the trip for the competition, but can you rank these four championship clubs on who will be losing the most players to the tournament Mm. this month? Those clubs are Leeds United, Leicester City, Southampton, West Bromwich Albion. That's a tricky one. Um, Leicester have been in the forefront of my mind for a while, so I'm going to go with Leicester top. Then I'll go with Southampton, then Leeds, then... um, Who's the other team? West Brom. Then West Brom. Sticking with that? Yeah. Again, you've pretty oh. much got it right, but you got one wrong, one in the wrong position. Um, and that was West Brom. Leicester were the top team. You're right with that. They've got three going. Patson Daka, Kalechi, Iheanacho and Wilfred Ndidi. West Brom were seconds. They've got two players going. Grady Dean Garner and Semi Ajayi. Southampton have only got one player going. Joe Aribo is the one who's going. Camel uh, Dean Solimana was on the shortlist for Garner, but was but was missed out through injury. And Leeds don't have any African players. So it was always going to be a struggle to send any players to the tournament. Yeah, I just assumed maybe one or two might go because they've recruited extensively from other countries over the last couple of years. So I thought maybe one might have crossed their path. But yeah, fair enough. Rumour has it they tried to send Patrick Bamford, but they were told no. Um, finally, <laughs> finally, sticking with the theme of Africa, Justin, these are the four African countries with the biggest populations. Can you rank them on who has the biggest population? These figures are from each country's national census. Those countries are... DR Congo, Egypt, Ethiopia, Nigeria. See, what I need right now is that guy who's running the entire length of Africa just to give me a little bit of insight mm. um, because he's, he's, he's been in the continent of Africa for a long time now, so surely he would know. Um, yes. Nigeria is quite a big country. Um, actually, I'll rephrase this. All of the countries in Africa are quite big countries. Mm. A lot of land in Africa. Um, so I'm going to go with Nigeria... Then Egypt oh, was a lot of a lot of sand in Egypt. <laughs> I'm going to go with the thing is, you're oh, only going to live Justin, close please. to the River Nile. You're only going to live close to the River Nile, and the DR Congo, a lot of it is jungle as well. So 
not many places where you can settle in those two countries. So I'm going to go with Nigeria, Ethiopia, then Egypt, then the DR Congo. He's bloody nailed it, ladies Am and gentlemen. I? <laughs> I don't know how it got to that point with that logic, but he has absolutely nailed it. Uh, Nigeria, top 216 million, by far the biggest in Africa. The sixth most populated country in the world, actually. Ethiopia, second, 107 million. Egypt, 104 million. DR Congo, 95 million. I can't believe you got that right just now. I gave you no chance before that question, and even more so as you're explaining it. Maybe I should class myself as a, a geographical um, and socioeconomic expert as opposed to a football championship expert. I'm not sure about that. But there you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's been Scott Hire, Ryan Lowe. And this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll next be back on Sunday. Of course, it's the FA Cup this weekend, so no championship action for us to mull over. So instead, we've got a special Second Tier Meets episode. And it's a big one, ladies and gentlemen. It's with a manager who has managed in the championship this season. And you know what? I'd go as far to say is one of the most recognisable managers at this level. It's a brilliant guest. And we're very excited for you to hear it. Just why you pulling that face. Is it Wayne Rooney? No, it's not Wayne Rooney. <laughs> I'm not sure he would come on considering some of the stick we've given him recently. <laughs> but there you go. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday. I've been Ryan Dukes. I've been Just a Peach. And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. 